Amen. Thanks, team. That was awesome. Such a nice time of worship. Um, so, we're in our second last sermon of our identity series. Um, and if you want to grab your Bibles, I encourage you to do so. I was talking, we had a young adults event last night where we were kind of refocusing and we looking at why we do what we do and how we do it. And part of it was that we wanted to be really intentional with our time here on a Sunday, that we want to see the Word. We want to be shaped by it. We don't just want to learn uh, like knowledge. We want to be able to kind of go, okay, God, what are you doing with this? What are you wanting us to do? And how do we, how do we grow as a community? So I really encourage you to do that. So Matthew chapter 6 uh, is where we're going to be tonight and a few other places. I'll have it on the screen as well, but it's always good to have it in front of you. Um, for those of you who uh, haven't been here for the, uh, uh, for the series, we've been going through a series on identity. Um, our culture at the moment, if it could be uh, one of the things that it, it's focusing on at the moment is identity, is like what makes me me? And <clears throat> we've been asking questions of, Is there uh, better things to find our identity in? Is there bad things to find our identity in? And we've been looking at what the Bible would show us, what God would show us. And largely speaking, what we've found found in in Genesis, particularly is where we've been hanging out, the first book in the Bible, um, is that God created us to have Him as the foundation of, of our identity. It's like, um, we've been using this house example where you, the first thing that gets built on a house usually is the concrete slab. It's the foundation of everything that kind of comes up from it. Um, and what we've seen is that God's meant to be that foundational thing. And from there, we build our lives. So, and so last week and this week, we've been, and even next week, sorry, we've been looking at kind of different things uh, that sometimes we kind of replace this foundation with. Sometimes we can kind of, instead of finding it in God, we, we kind of go to different things. And we did, last week, we did one on approval. Often we, uh, what will draw be the driving force of our our heart, the treasure of our heart can be the approval of others and we'll do all these different things. Have a listen to it if you missed it. But today, we're actually looking at money and possessions. Money and possessions. So, I... um. This is one of the topics, as you read the Gospels, is like one of the most spoken about things from Jesus. Um, He actually, out of uh, 39 parables we see, 11 of them have to do with money. That's a lot. He talks about money more than he talks about heaven and hell. Um, And if Jesus, uh, I I forget the actual statistic, but I'm just trying to make a point here. But one of my lecturers at college, I was looking through some old kind of lecture notes to find it, but I couldn't find it. But um, he he was saying that if out of 52 um, 52 weeks of the year, if Jesus preached every Sunday, he would probably preach on money uh, on the dangers of about seven or eight times uh, a year, which is a lot. So all this to say, whether that statistic is completely accurate or not, my point is that he talks about it a lot uh, in his ministry. It pops up quite a bit. And when he talks about it, it's often not in a great light. He kind of goes, this is actually can be quite dangerous. And emphasis on can. It can be hugely dangerous. 
He talked about how dangerous it can be and how we need to actually watch out for what money can do to us in general, but more to the point, in particular, what it can do with our relationship with Him, how it can be a detriment to that uh, relationship. So I'll grab our first slide if I can. Um, so this is Matthew 6, verses 19 uh, to 24. Um, I skip a couple of, uh, yeah, verse 22 and 23 in the middle there. But if you read with me, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. And there's heaps in this passage. There's heaps. But essentially what I see him saying, and it's not rocket science, is that don't treasure things that won't last. Things that will rust and destroy and I'll get to that in a sec. Don't treasure things that won't last but treasure things that will. Treasure things that will. Don't dedicate your life towards things that won't last but rather dedicate your life towards things that will. In a culture um, which is fairly consumeristic, I think this passage is, is quite big. It's, uh, it's huge for us. So, many of, so much of what we spend our money on are things that don't last. They're temporary. Things that rust and destroy. Cars rust, unless uh, I've been learning from the BB guys and the off-roaders like Jesse and that, that you just get rust protection. But over time, it'll still rust and destroy. Even if you get your $100,000 land cruiser, it'll still one day <laughs> rust and destroy. And the panos are just like, absolutely not. <laughs> Houses over time break down. Cars break down. Everything, it needs to be fixed. They don't last forever. Many of the things we buy are very quickly outdated as well. Very quickly outdated and don't last. With a new iPhone or if you're a Samsung or an Android guy, the new Mac or the new PC, the new model, next model car, TVs are constantly getting better and better. It never seems to be enough. Not long after kind of getting it, there's a new thing that comes out. Many people are kind of, I'm not saying all of us, but many people can get sucked into this kind of uh, cycle of getting the next thing, next thing, next thing. I saw it all the time when I worked at JV. And many of us do this with clothes as well. Uh, we can almost never have enough clothes and, and sometimes there's a feeling that I need to get the brand name clothing. I need to get that. Many people will spend an excessive amount of money on these kinds of things. And all towards clothing or shoes, what you wear. But within a very short amount of time, either they, they do kind of get destroyed or they kinda, they're old and we don't want them anymore or we kind of need some new ones and it just doesn't last. But if you think about it, if you think about it, all this stuff, it doesn't last long, Yeah. Many, much of what we spend our money on doesn't last long. It decays. It fades away. It gets outdated. It's often the kind of the future 
dumps. Like it's the future content of our landfill. But yet we spend a crazy amount of money on these kinds of things, yeah? And then to get that money, we spend a crazy amount of time and energy and resources to get that money only to spend it on things that rust and destroy, as Jesus would say. And I get it. I'm not saying that everything, that we can't ever not spend money on that kind of thing. But sometimes we spend excessive amounts of money on things that just really don't matter at the end of the day. They're not of any huge significance. And that in and of itself, if I ended the sermon here, would be one, like a crazy enough reason to really think about how do we use our money? Why? How do we use our money? How do we use our time? Are we wasting what is afforded to us? Or are we stewarding it well? Are we stewarding, the, sorry, stewarding it well? Are we spending money on things that don't last and at the very end of the day don't really add up to very much? And where are our priorities? Because it actually really, really matters. It really, really does. And these are good questions to ask, yeah? They are good questions. I think I I like to try, I'm not perfect by any means, but I try and ask these questions quite often. It's kind of like, where do I spend my money? How are we going to do it? Is this worth it? And sometimes it's a wrestle. You make mistakes, of course. But, and it's good to ask them, but what I think Jesus is getting at in this passage is there's something a little bit deeper than just where do you use your money? And what do you use it on? Sure, he cares about that. He cares about where you use your money and how you use your time. And of course, one of the things implicit to this is that we want to use our resources. We want to use our time for the glory of God. Yeah, We want to use it to, to love him and be able to bless other people. And we'll find that as, as we go along. But what I think Jesus is doing here is he's really trying to get to what's going on in our hearts. He's really trying to get to, to, to the core of the problem, the thing which is at the centre, our heart. He's looking at the heart behind what we spend our money on and, and our time on. He's looking at the heart behind why we'd even strive so hard to get some excessive amount of money that we don't necessarily need and spend it badly. What's behind that? The problem is less to do with what we're doing but more to do with the heart behind it yeah he says in verse 21 we just read it for where your treasure is there your heart will be also where your treasure is there your heart will be also and when we're called to love the lord our god with all our heart soul and mind it's obviously pretty alarming in my mind um, when our heart isn't treasuring god first and foremost but might be treasuring money and possessions that's problematic. That's what I think you'll see. That I think that's part of why this is so dangerous because it takes us away from the heart of God. This means that our heart is in the wrong place. And, and Jesus, he's, he's pushing so far to say that if money and, possession is of, uh, money and possessions of this world are the treasure of your heart, then he can't be. He says you can't serve two masters at the same time. You can't love God and money. They can't coexist. You can't have both. He's saying that if the treasure of your heart is money and possessions, then you're in a dangerous place when it comes to your relationship with him. Because you you can't have both. You can't serve both of them. But I want to ask the question, why, why is it money and possession there? Why does he talk about this so much 
Do you know what I mean? Why is it such a, a common theme in there? Usually when you see something in the Bible or a significant amount of uh, scripture or a significant theme that comes up a lot, usually it's for a reason. It's usually because it's important. So I want to explore why. Why can't we treasure money and him at the same time? And one key aspect is the sense of control and pride that it gives you. It's a sense of control and pride. And I'm not straight out the bat. I don't think all my having money is a bad thing necessarily. I'm not going to say that everyone that has money and lots of it are bad people, or that there isn't people that are uniquely gifted to, to use money well, where it doesn't lord them, where it isn't the core treasure of their heart. I think there's a difference. I know people who have uber amounts of money but they use it so well and it isn't the controlling factor of their life. But I think it's so dangerous because many people who do have a lot of money, they, they, they get sucked into the power and the control and the pride that it can give you. Because really, there is a fair bit of power and control that you can actually get from money, from wealth. Your capacity to buy whatever you want or achieve whatever you want, is absolutely massive. Just think about it. It's huge. You want that house, you want a business, you want like the best food all the time, you want the newest car, you want that holiday. Even sometimes you want some sort of favour with other people. You can buy it. You can buy it. That's a huge amount of control. Whether we like it or not, people can do that. You can even buy a certain amount of, pe- of control over people with as well, which I find really scary with money. We see this all the time. You feel like, it gives you this feeling that you're king of the world, that you're kind of your own God in a sense. You can run life however you want to a very large degree. You don't need anyone else. You've got the pride. You've got the control. I don't need anything. And this is what money can do. (laughs) It can do, is what I'm saying. It's a kind of an extreme version. If you if you look back to Adam and Eve at the fall, it's kind of I don't want to follow you, God. I don't want you to be God. I want something else to be. I want myself to be that. I don't want to follow you. I have the pride. I can control my life a hundred percent. It's like an extreme version of that. It's kind of this independence away from God that can happen when we when it, when money is our treasure. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus says it's so dangerous. It's hugely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous in pulling us away from him and giving us this kind of sense of power and control that leads us to kind of thinking that we don't need him, whether we can kind of see that or not. It's part of why we can't serve him and money at the same time. It's why we can't treasure both. I'll grab the next slide. So this one is, um, if you want to turn to it, you can. It's in uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Yep. Um, and it's, it's another time that uh, Jesus talks about money. He talks about the dangers of it. He said, someone, this is, uh, yep. someone in the crowd sent to, said to him, which is Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator? over you (laughs) and he said to them take care and be on your guard against all covet 
to <laughs> covetousness. Oh man, to not tongue-tied. Um, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's key. For one's life it does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So, is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich in God. This guy, he had so much wealth. He had so much wealth and he stored it up all for himself so he could just kind of sit back and relax. He didn't need God anymore. He's got no worries in the world. He has control, no need for him. His life was consumed with possessions and stored up wealth that he had, but he was so distracted by this that he missed the most important thing, which is God. When his life was required of him, he just was just, what happened? This is an example of what we talked about in that first passage, of what Jesus shows. This guy stored up treasures on earth that do rust and decay, that do, can get destroyed, that can be stolen by people, but he didn't have the very treasure that he needed, which is treasure in heaven, which is Jesus. He didn't have the most important thing. He was so distracted and filled with a sense of his own pride and capacity to do this life without God to think that he didn't need him. But the reality is that if he died, then he would have lost everything anyway. He wouldn't have Jesus. It wouldn't have added up to very much. But his riches blinded him from seeing this. It's dangerous. If you jump back to chapter uh, 19 of the book of Matthew, I'll have it on the screen here. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Um, but this is the parable of the, I mean, not the parable, the story of the rich young man or the rich young ruler, some people call it. Um, so Matthew 19, verse 16 to 22. It says, Now behold, one came and said to him, which is Jesus, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus basically says, Keep the commands, keep the commandments. And then in verse 18 he said to him, which ones, Jesus? Like, which ones am I meant to keep? And then Jesus, he he rattles off a bunch of commandments and then this guy says back to him, he says, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. See, that treasure in heaven comes up again. Come and follow me. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In other words, he couldn't do it. 
He could, he, could, he could do everything else. He could follow these commandments to a T, which is not easy, by the way, but he couldn't give up his wealth. The control that that has over someone and it being the treasurer of your heart, it can be so strong that you can't take that step. When money and possession is the treasure of our hearts, when it's the so core kind of who we are, our identity, then it's, it can be so so dangerous. It can be really dangerous. It will take us away from this relationship with God. And that's why. That's why he talks about this so much. It can take us away from the very thing that is important. It's also dangerous because it's extremely addictive. It's very, very addictive. I said this before, but what a lot of people find is that nothing is ever enough. A lot of people find this. It's never enough. No amount of wealth, no amount of all these different things is enough. No amount of money or possessions seem to satisfy. So you're kind of just basically caught in this addictive loop where you're just continually working for more. That's, I'm not saying it's not nice to have money or all these different things, but it just doesn't last and you just end up needing more. It's kind of this vicious trap. But it blinds us. It blinds us from the very thing that we need, the riches that we need, which is in Jesus. And hopefully we're getting the idea here from Jesus that money and possessions can be detrimental to our relationship with him. Hopefully we are. So now that we've kind of established some of the reasons why it's, it's so dangerous and can be so dangerous, I want to kind of look at what does it look like to store treasure in heaven? Because we're told to not kind of store up treasures on this earth that, uh, that rust and destroy and can get stolen away, but we're told to, to uh, find treasure in heaven, to find that, that these things that can't be destroyed. What does that look like? I think what it looks like is to lay up, what it looks like to lay up treasures in heaven is making God our first priority in life. And therefore doing things toward that end. I'll say it again. What it looks like to lay up treasures in heaven is making God our first priority in life and therefore doing things toward that end. Simple in principle, but hard in practice. <laughs> Simple in principle, hard in practice. It's regularly surrendering our lives, our everything of who we are, including our money, on a regular basis. It's going, it's recentering so we don't get sucked into these traps. And it's following him. I know that sounds really simple, but again, simple, uh, simple principle, but hard to do. This is why the greatest commandment, again, I always keep bringing this up. It's a little theme for me. But the greatest commandment that Jesus says in the whole Bible is to love God with all our soul, mind, and strength. Everything of who we are. And then out of that place, we love other people. That's what it looks like to lay up treasure in heaven. That's... That's what we should be striving for. That's what's of worth. That's what can't be taken away from you. That will not be destroyed. So rather than making money our first priority and loving that with our everything, if you could replace it, we're called to do that with God. We're meant to be at the driving factor, the foundation of our identity. It comes back to it is meant to be Him. It's not meant to be money and we do everything uh, to, to do that. 
We surrender to him. We say, Lord, this is yours. These, this money is yours. My time is yours. What I do with my life is yours. I, wanna, I want to thrive in you and I want to be able to love other people. Practically speaking, I said, I've said this probably the past few sermons, but 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, this is what it looks like to store up treasures in heaven. Is to... Um, in, uh, Do all things to the glory of God, basically. Whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink, whatever you do, how you spend your money, do that to the glory of God. And when we're in this place, we may not be ruled by money, but it doesn't mean that we kind of just are careless with it as well. So I kind of want to get into a little bit of, I guess, a practical side of things um, just before we finish, really quick. Um, and this, may, this means not necessarily squandering our money and our possessions on things that do rust and destroy, things that don't last. Obviously, we naturally we spend money on things, as I said before, um, that don't last. I get it. We kind of really need that a lot of the time in our context, but the principle is the same. Are we good stewards with our money? Are we using it unnecessarily on things? Are we seeking God and good people around us to help us do that as well, I think, is key. Another way is that we're generous. Um, I think God gives, gave us the, the best and most... He's, he's the most biggest example of generosity. He gives our, his life for us. And out of that, we give our lives in general, which includes our money and our possessions. We bless other people. We are generous. This is part of why uh, we give as a church. We want to see people. We want to be a community that is growing in our faith with God and our love for him. And we want to see that impact the world around us. And that's why we serve. That's why we give of our resources. We're generous. And as we do that, it, it, it kind of takes us a little bit more and more away from ever. Uh, wealth and possessions being kind of a stronghold or the treasure of our heart. And I know personally, just by the way, that that can be a real struggle. Um, I've struggled with this uh, on and off for a while and how to practically um, kind of be good stewards of your money but still be generous at the same time and how to navigate that. And that's why I say, like, if be aware of your weaknesses. Be aware, like, if you think about it and you're like, I'm horrible with money, Ask for help. Do you know what I mean? There are heaps of people. We have an awesome finance team here as well who are super qualified. Most people would know John Bellis. Uh, maybe don't all go to him at once. Um, <laughs> that'd be great. But he's a financial advisor. He does this for a living. He knows how to do a budget. But what I'm trying to get at is that if you know that you're not good with money, if you're not really sure how to do it, or you're kind of like, man, I want to be more generous and I don't know how to navigate that, that's why we're here as a community to help each other out. Um, if we know, for instance, that we're like, I want to be so successful um, for the glory of God, but I know that maybe I'll get sucked into loving money, then we need to tell other people. We need to kind of go, that's okay. It's okay to be successful. It's okay to have money. But we need people around us to, get, to keep us accountable. Do you know what I mean? To kind of go, hey man, like, how are you using this? Is, is God still at the center of your life? Is he the treasure or is money or is this success your treasure? Is that kind of makes sense hopefully that does but i think we need each other and we need to know our weaknesses we need to kind of know this pull in our heart towards these different things whether it be money or whatever it else and we need to tell each other 
Tell a trusted friend. And help them to keep you accountable. But I'm going to invite, um, oh, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to do communion. But, but just before that, I wa- just wanted to conclude to encourage everyone. I know it's really simple, but let's just come back to Jesus every single day. If, let's not get sucked into these different things because it's, it's, it is this kind of endless loop sometimes that we'll, we'll get something, it'll satisfy and then it won't be enough and then we'll search for another thing, we'll get it, won't be enough. And then it's uh, this vicious cycle when God's kind of going, I'm right here, I'm everything you need and actually you'll be able to use your money better. <laughs> you'll be able to use your resources better, you'll be able to use your talents better when it isn't the foundation of who you are but just a part of you. Does that make sense? kind of frees you up to be generous. It frees you up to do these different things in life. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to invite Pastor Matty up um, and we're going to do some communion. So let's pray. Hey, Lord, I, um, I thank you, Lord, that you do bless us with so much. Um, particularly here in Australia, we're so well off, Lord. Um, and that is something that we should never take for granted, Lord God. But Lord, I pray that you would just... In this, in this wealth that we have, Lord God, in whatever we have, help us to be good stewards of it. Help us to not put it out as a treasure of our heart. Help us to not lay up these things for, for no good cause, Lord God, but Lord, help us to be a people that can use money well, that it doesn't lord over us, Lord. Help us to be generous when we find it hard to be generous. Help us to be accountable to people, Lord God. If, you, if for any of us in this room um, that have this drive to be successful and to use this and to, to make money, Lord God, I pray that you protect them, that they'd be able to use that for good, uh, that they'd have solid people around them to do that. But Lord, we just wanna, we want to uh, devote ourselves to you tonight. We want to kind of go, Lord, I want you as my treasure. I don't want anything else, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that the pull that this can have on us for success, for the, all this different, for money and wealth, Lord God, wouldn't be stronger than the pull for you, Lord, that you would win the day. Thank you that you love us, Lord. Amen. We invite uh, Pastor Matty up to do some communion. Feels good to say that.